You are not sexually broken. Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Alexis and Kyle, both owners of Renegade, where they specialize in one-on-one personal care that allows you to not only get rid of your pain now, but feel better for life. Their specialties are sports performance, general orthopedics, and pelvic health physical therapy. Their promise is to not only find solutions for what you're going through, but to also keep you active and doing whatever it is that you love. Alrighty. Hello, hello, Kyle and Alexis. Thank you for joining me on the Intimacy Truths podcast. Hi, thank you. You're welcome. So I'm super excited to talk about how people are not broken and how sometimes they perceive that they're broken and they wonder why they're not having a strong interest in sexual health or intimacy with their partner. Uh, And that oftentimes can be related to dysfunction with pelvic floor concerns. So please help uh, us and understand how you both decided. I love your unique uh, duo. So (laughs) let me know how that came together and then how you decided to both come into uh, pelvic floor dysfunction. So, uh, well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. (laughs) Lex and I met in um, undergrad, actually. Yeah. And then we went to the same physical therapy uh, doctoral program. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then as far as like becoming interested in pelvic floor physical therapy, um, for those who are listening and may not know, pelvic floor physical therapy is essentially what you would conceptualize physical therapy to be. It's treatment of muscles, nerve, bone, and movement and coordination and all of those things, just with a focus and an emphasis or paying more attention to um, the pelvic floor muscles, which are really important. We can maybe get into that later on in this, but yeah. Um, so how we came to be interested in that, kind of both of us feel the same way, I think, Yeah. in that there was this gap that we found when we were receiving most of our formal education in like, oh, people might have hip or low back or whatever, but what about the section in between? Um, or like, you know, you memorize like the origin, insertion, action, innervation of all the muscles, which is maybe a dated way to learn anatomy, but at any rate, you learn all those things, but then there's like a group of like, I don't know, almost a dozen muscles that are just like, hey, ignore those ones in that pelvic bowl there. Yeah. That are um, completely attached to all the other ones in else. the entire body. Like, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So, like, the more we learned that things were, like, really integrated, um, if people are kind of super interested, Tom Myers does anatomy trains, and that's, like, a myofascial continuity program. Anyway, so uh, you can take a lot of deep dives down rabbit holes, and things are very, very connected. And so um, when we started looking at that, they all kind of, all roads kind of led to the pelvic floor is very important and is integral to kind of human movement. Yeah. So that's kind of why we're interested well, and on top of that, it's it's one of those things where not many people, one, do it, not many people know about it, and it's super taboo, which is 
it makes it frustrating only because a lot of people don't explore or have options for getting treatment for these these problems so like when someone says i mean i'm i am culprit of this like i went to a doctor and i had talked about them talked about pain and sex with them and it was just kind of like we'll change positions as if yeah. that's an answer to the problem yeah just and deal so, with it it's like right so when, when, have a glass of wine that's yeah the worst. so like oh. exactly so I've been, it's terrible <laughs> so like i've been a victim to it too so like when i think about what issues people are facing and how they don't feel like there's a solution for them. It's honestly heartbreaking. Especially when there is one. Right. It's, it's so heartbreaking because it's, it's one thing to feel like there's not a solution and there's one thing to feel like there's not a solution and you're just missing the boat on not knowing what it is because no one else knows. I mean, there's doctors that don't know that our specialty exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like tough. Even urologists, yeah. gynes, urogynes. Yeah. It's sad, it's right? Sad. Yeah. I've worked with uh, lots of OBGYNs and lots of uh, professionals that are not as knowledgeable in sexual health as they should be when they literally work with the sexual organs of our body, you know, and so it's definitely really hard. And it's like, how can we bring this, this holistic stuff to light, right? Um, have a glass of wine. That is terrible. That is like, Hey, remove your ability to give your partner uh, consent or not, and then you'll feel better about it. It's like, no, right? And then, oh, well, just deal with it. Well, no, you don't have to just deal with it, you know? And then there's not even the knowledge and the education on basic lubrication and understanding how yeah. water-based is different from silicone, right? And and all those other things. And then even deeper than that, you know, there's other, there's other uh, medical diagnoses like diabetes and cancer that affect vaginal dryness. And that is very painful for lots of women, right? So yeah. it's, it's really uh, disheartening, like you said, that there's so many people suffering. Um, and then the, the emotional suffering, right? Not even just the physical pain aspect to it, but the emotional suffering. Why am I broken? It's like, you're not broken, right? And why doesn't my partner love me? Or why, and, and usually on the, the male side of it, right? Like, why doesn't my partner want to have sex with me? And they're not feeling confident and they're feeling let down and they don't understand because the female doesn't understand about why she's experiencing what she's experiencing. It's just a, it's a rabbit hole, a cycle of, you know, dysfunction that does not need to happen. So thank you both for bringing light to this and making it a priority in our lives. It's very, uh, cohesive with my desire to bring the truth about intimacy to the world, right? There's so many uh, places where we get this artificial intimacy from, uh, or even in your case, this artificial like sense of security. Oh, well, you know, you're fine to steal. Well, that's, that is like this, uh, it's not really you and kind of this fluffing of how to deal with their problem instead of like really figuring out and being explorative and trying to, trying to figure out what else is out there that we can do instead of just, this is what my knowledge is. This is what I was taught in school. So I can't veer off of what, I, you know, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. 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 Well, and something like you were touching upon there was the pain experience or the experience of kind of having some of these different issues that we could discuss. So like, even when we think about orthopedic cases that we might see shoulder pain, back pain, whatever mm -hmm. it is, 
even something very simple like that, and it seems kind of rather benign, people are like, oh yeah, my back's, you know, bothering me a little bit, or my shoulders have been bothering me, so I haven't been doing overhead presses or whatever. Even when we think about certain things like that, like, there is a, a meaning attached to that, right? So people define themselves based on their physical abilities a lot. Now, that might be to more, less or a greater extent, depending on, you know, who you are and what you do with your life and um, just who you are as an individual. But at some baseline level, like, if you're not able to pick your kid up, if you're not able to lift 300 pounds overhead, whatever it means to you, your physical ability, if that's diminished in some way, then it takes an emotional toll. Like there's no separation on the continuum of physical and emotional and psychological health. But then if you apply that to the pelvic floor, that's an area where there's lots of functions. So you have like a core stability function, you have circulatory and lymphatic function, but then you also have bowel and bladder function, which there's a lot of shame and emotion attached to bowel and bladder control or lack thereof. Mm. Um, and then obviously the sexual function too. So like, it's a really super impactful area when there is a, an issue with that area and something's going wrong for people. So then you see that kind of emotional impact from the physical be that much more. And then like you were yeah. saying, it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Like um, we look at all these things that like stress and cortisol can do for like global physiological processes and health but then you know the worse you feel about yourself and the worse your emotional status is the more it feeds the physical but then the worse the physical is so it's kind of this vicious cycle and then combine that with it greatly impacts a relationship i mean right. it's a super impactful area so that's another reason we're kind of interested in helping people with it because you see the benefits that you would helping any other physical process but more so because it's a more impactful area so yeah, yeah. and there's also the, the prescription side too like mm -hmm. A lot of females, you know, and I don't blame anyone for prescribing birth control. It's definitely something that you need to find what works for you and go for it. But there are side effects to birth control too, where just being on something like an estrogen-based pill can actually cause you to have vaginal dryness and you yep. can have pain and muscle tightness and your atrophy, of the tissues. atrophy of tissue within, within um, structures. And it, it's just, it's, it's very sad just because that aspect you can address everything else and if you don't address the prescription side you could be not doing that person the service that they deserve so you really want to make sure that you address the whole person like what you were talking about and what kyle was just touching on like the whole human is important and regardless of if we're pelvic health physical therapists or you know just physical therapists who work especially in pelvic health the whole body is essentially what is important you have to make sure you address the whole thing yes I, uh... It's an appropriate time to bring up WAP, I think. <laughs> wow. Do you know the song? Oh my God. Oh, no. whip it. <laughs> oh, whip it real good, that one? No. Oh, oh even boy. worse. This one's rated like, <laughs> this one's rated X, I think. Well, it's like um, it became big bad because it was it was talking about wet, wet vaginas. Oh, yes. No, like, I didn't. People, people were talking about it and some people were saying it almost was like a, should mine be? Yeah. And people were like questioning themselves because yeah. I kept hearing them and they're like, is that what it's supposed but to be it, like? It was good because then it gave awareness and raised attention, gave people yeah. a platform to basically be like, I mean, uh, I guess <laughs> my, my anger towards media and, and, uh, social norms is, it drives me insane, but I see your yeah. point in the fact that at least it did bring some light to a topic. Yeah, that... So yeah, that was the good part about it was people are like questioning it. And then eventually there was this platform for people who are in this field to talk about, like, yeah, you may not for a, a 
large variety of reasons not have that your body function that way and that's okay yeah. but then there's lubrication which is yeah. uh, in my opinion almost unanimously a good idea essential with the <laughs> no matter what the only exception being if you're you know considering different tools you may be using or condoms or allergies those are the only you put moisturizer on your face before you use makeup like, right I, like then you need to also lubricate the proper areas and moisturize proper areas of your body uh something i want to speak to that you guys were sort of dancing around it with your expertise and and then my expertise kind of coming together um you know as a kid i was taught food shelter and water you have everything you need right you get older and that message comes with you food shelter and water you have everything you need that's bullshit not true right like we we don't have you know or or it's like clothes on your back and food in your tummy and a roof over your head so you have everything you need well oftentimes that is the um that was the very clear message i received but people also get that message in an underlying kind of way and so uh sexual health is in an an essential function to our happiness right when i started my journey i started focusing on sexual health and i was like I want to unravel this. And then it kind of morphed into relationships. Okay. What's with the relationship. And then it morphed into the individual and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. So in order to get to, you know, the other side of it, we really have to focus on the individual and their ability to have, you know, conflict management. That's my favorite topic to have and, and emotional health. And it's like, well, if they can't even reach an orgasm, then they're not going to have, like, that's an essential function of releasing endorphins in our brain and being able to have the happy, lucky feelings, right? And in my media strife is the artificial intimacy. This topic is coming up so much in in the last few uh, interviews, but the artificial intimacy that our world is receiving from tech and from Facebook and all these other media platforms is really terrible. You know, we get to avoid things and of dealing with things where back in the day you had to face your problems you didn't get to just run away from them uh most often you know obviously there's different situations but so to to wrap it all together like the whole you are not broken is such a powerful movement to be able to bring to people and help them understand that when you're not experiencing the healthy physical functions you deserve to experience, you are going to have internal battles and that internal battle is going to affect your partnership or relationships you have in your life and is going to affect your ability to be confident and trusting and vulnerable behind closed doors, which is what intimacy is, providing a trusting comfort comfortable vulnerable environment to just talk about how you're feeling never mind take your clothes off and experience anything else right so yeah and yeah i mean so and like on the you're not broken kind of aspect of things yeah like when i think that's a cultural and like a healthcare system narrative um that needs to have a shift a little bit Mm -hmm. so certainly providers are a little bit more holistic we'd consider ourselves that way Mm -hmm. um don't really tend to buy into that kind of narrative and and peddle that to patients um you know when we look at like physiology represent and physical tissue injuries represent pain in your experience and and the brokenness that you have uh, maybe even physically, like you look at, oh, there's some scar tissue here, or mm. this tendon looks like it's thinning a little bit, or this bone might have a micro fracture, or whatever it might be. Um, you know, you need an adjustment because your your bones are out of place, quote unquote. Those types of narratives to us are, um, you know, the broken, you're broken is what it tells people. 
And the problem with that is at the end of the day, it leaves them with no hope. So mm -hmm. it's, you are broken and you either go from being broken to being fixed and somebody has to do that fixing to you. Mm -hmm. So on top of the fact you don't have hope and there's not like a roadway for you to have a solution, or if there is, it's somebody else to do it to you. Mm -hmm. And you don't have control of your own body and your own healthcare. Mm. Whereas like if you present a narrative of modern pain science, which mm -hmm. I'll refrain from delving into that <laughs> hole too far, but um, just looking at pain, <laughs> yeah, just looking at pain being an output of your brain in response to perceived threat. Yeah. And therefore we can do different things uh, and lots of providers can do different mm -hmm. things to help alter that experience of and decrease that perception of threat, therefore decrease your pain experience and then you get healthier and there's a pathway for that yeah. and lots of pathways for that. Um, and then there's lots of ways you can do that yourself and be independent with it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like that's such a much more useful patient narrative, I think for people and to bring and it much to, more empowering. Sorry to cut you off. I didn't intend that but, yeah. uh, to bring it to like my side of the fence, basically what you're talking about. My husband and I recently had this conversation too with um the medical professionals it's like i and i actually it was more of a dispute because i had to make a point here <laughs> but uh i was like you know the doctors are there to keep you alive like they're there to help you learn to stay surviving right they're not they don't their work is not intentional in helping you thrive where holistic medicine and your medicine, your intention is to get people out of survival mode and into thrival mode. Like you want them to have the skills to thrive and have the best life where it's like, oh, you have diabetes. Here's this medicine that's going to impact, you know, keep you from dying, but it's not necessarily going to heal your diabetes. Right. And so that, um, that distinction, it definitely does need to change because then it requires it, it, uh, creates a codependent relationship between healthcare systems and relying on doctors and even your relationship with your doctor. If you're not getting what you want from your doctor, find another one. You don't yeah. have to keep paying that doctor, right? Yeah. Like that doctor doesn't, uh, isn't privileged to your money. You're paying them for a service, Thank right? The fact that, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Like the fact that we have to go get a physical in order to go to school. It's like my doctor can't, doesn't deserve to have that power over my, my, you know, life and what I'm experiencing in my life. So, and we just, we perpetuate that message at, from childhood of you have to listen to somebody else's rules. You have to follow somebody else's game plan and you don't have a say in how your life plays out. You're going to work a nine to five for the rest of your life and all those other things. So it, it's just, there's so much that equates to, and all of those messages come with us behind closed doors and they yeah. come with us with our healing journeys and they come with us with, you know, they're, we're not empowered to seek support. We're empowered to rely on the people that may not have our, in, our best interest in mind. Right. And the thing too, and I'm just bringing this up because I feel like a lot of sexual health um, is framed around from what we have seen a lot of pelvic health as well around women mm -hmm. and or oh, yes. people with female anatomy. Yes. Whereas we also treat people with male anatomy. Like we treat, you yeah, know, when you have all those people yeah. with penises, that's the, yeah. So we, <laughs> we treat, you know, we treat pain with erection, pain yeah. with um, ejaculation. There's definitely, I'll say it, erectile dysfunction. There's mm -hmm. other, testicular pain is a big one. 
So it's like there's men also men have pelvic floors too. Thank so you for saying that too. I totally yeah. spaced that because um, you know women and and I don't often yeah, deal with it in the other fashion, but it's true. It's it's a two way street. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we were. I mean, we were just talking about that the other day because we feel like if someone is going to find help, it's usually going to be a woman, mm. just because they they they're resourceful. Yeah. And when a man has pain, not only is it the stigma of I'm broken, I can't do my do my duty, if yeah. you will, um, they also don't know who to go to. Well, that and it's like, I have to be the big tough guy, right? right. Like the, society, the societal stigma of needing to be the strong one that doesn't talk about their pain. It's like, no, you deserve the you deserve the help just as much as anyone else. Right. Exactly. Which, you know, men statistically don't talk about their pain, their problems in general anyway. Yeah. Never mind when it's having to do with pelvic floor and, and especially sexual function. So, yeah. I mean, that extends to like. I don't really think talk- it's something they talk about at a fire. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't talking about that stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I can't wear it. The bro, the bro <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Come on, man. You can't get it up or something right. stupid like that. It's like. Unless I'm sitting around the fire with the no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. What was I going to get? Oh, so Sorry, talking about relationships, mm-hmm. when you think of like whether you're talking about like heteronormative or other types of relationships or even just relationship with yourself right i mean you can have good sexual health with yourself without requiring another partner or partners or whatever um but even when you think about that put it in that context mm-hmm. what does it do for your emotional state and your self-worth and self-love if you have these issues and mm-hmm. so like, you know you can look at sexual health and that function too yeah yeah so exciting. I'm so thankful that both of you joined me on this podcast and had this open conversation. You two are a power couple. Uh, and I felt that from the first time we had a long conversation and I was like super passionate and you're joining our wonderful networking group, which I'm super excited to have like a power team uh, because I often am alone in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like exciting to not be alone in the corner yeah. anymore playing by myself in my own yeah. sandbox. <laughs> so thank you both. Oh, for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got to practice our howls now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how do you, how can people find you? So we do, we're really active on Instagram. Yeah. So it's at renegade, R-E-N-E-G-A-D-E movement, M-V-M-T. So at okay. renegade, M-V-M-T. Um, and our website's a good place too. It has all of our information and some really fun pictures. So that's, I'll say it's www.renegademovementandperformance.com. And and is spelt out. Um, But really, uh, Instagram is probably the easiest place to get a hold of us or just head to our website and send us an email. Um, And I'll put all your information in the show notes. Oh yeah. Perfect. So it'll be clickable and it'll be awesome. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you. So welcome. Much.